So I thought today to uh, begin, we would do a recap of what we went over last week. Last week, we'll recall that David doesn't go out to war at the time that he's appointed to go out with his men to go into battle. We also remember that he's sort of taken it easy. He's not doing much of anything while he's in Jerusalem. We get a picture of him just lounging, waking up one afternoon, looking out over his kingdom, and he sees Bathsheba bathing on her rooftop. David decides he wants Bathsheba for himself. Her husband, Uriah the Hittite, doing what he's supposed to be doing, has gone off to war with the rest of the Israelites while David stays home, perhaps making his sin even more egregious. So he sends his servants to go get Bathsheba. They bring her back. He sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant, and he immediately tries to cover up his sin. The way that he tries to cover it up is he calls Uriah the Hittite back into Jerusalem. He tries to get Uriah the Hittite to go and sleep with Bathsheba, but being an honorable man, he chooses not to do that. He believes his responsibility while his friends are off to war, doing the things that David should have been doing as well, he believes his responsibility is to not indulge in any of the pleasures or the joys that would normally be accompanied with being back in Jerusalem. So in Uriah, we get an honorable man. And David, frustrated that he cannot get Uriah to fall, sends a letter to Joab. Dear Joab, send Uriah into the front lines, the heat of the battle. And then when the battle is at its most fierce, pull all the men back except for Uriah and make sure that he's struck down and killed. That kind of action deserves justice. That kind of callousness deserves wrath, does it not? I think any of us who look at David and see what he has done to Uriah and to Bathsheba within ourselves know that there needs to be justice for what he has done. He has committed adultery, and not only that, he has murdered the person that he committed adultery on. He sinned, he's tried to cover over that sin with lies, and when he couldn't cover over that sin, he ends up murdering the person that he can't cover it up with. And so in comes Nathan. Nathan the prophet. We don't know if the word is fairly prominent, if everybody knows what's happened, or if there are only a few people, but we do know that Nathan is given a vision of what's going to happen to David as a result of what has happened. We read in today's text the parable that Nathan offers. You have a rich man who's supposed to be David. You have a poor man who's Uriah the Hittite. The rich man has many, many sheep, a large flock. And this poor man has but one ewe lamb, one valuable little lamb that he's raised up, has become part of the family, feeds it from the table. The children hold it in their laps. Well, the rich man receives a visitor. And instead of taking one of the sheep from his own flock, he decides he's going to steal the poor man's sheep. And when David hears this story, he's infuriated. Who is this man 
He has to pay back fourfold what he took. And Nathan, pointing that bony finger at him, knowing what David has done, you, you are that man. I wonder for us how often we are able to see the sins of others, but we never look inside of ourselves and say, where have I gone wrong? It's the old plank in the eye analogy that Jesus uses, right? It's so easy when somebody tells us the story of another person's sin to recognize that sin for what it is, but it's so hard to look inside and see where our sin is. Well, now David has nowhere to run because he's already indicted himself. You are the man, Nathan responds. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives. I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? So now David reaches his time of reckoning. Now David has no, nothing he can cover over, nothing he can hide from. He can't pretend anymore that this isn't a big deal. Yes, he brought Bathsheba into his house to make her his wife. We don't know if it was an honorable action or if it was just kind of something he had to do. But now he's got nowhere to hide. He's already accused himself of the sin that he's committed. I think all of us at some point have to take inventory of our lives and ask ourselves, where have I fallen and have I taken it seriously? If not, we're no different than David after he sinned and he simply tries to cover it over and go about his business and act as if, well, that part of my life's over, I guess we just move on. The reality is when we have sin hanging over our heads, sin we haven't repented of, it travels with us. It doesn't go away. Sin that is continuing to exist in us, that has not been turned away from and forgiveness received, is sin that just doesn't go away. I think most of us know that. How many of us have ever had that experience where we've sinned, we know we've fallen short of the, God, short of the ways of God, and suddenly we have this light that goes off. Oh, I've sinned. I've broken the heart of God. I'm broken. If we never have that sense when we sin, we have a problem. We have a problem because God can't begin to do the work of healing unless there's confession of brokenness. Unless there's true desire and repentance to turn around and become godly again and to seek the ways of God. And so David can't receive healing unless Nathan takes that bony finger and points it in his face and says, you are the man. And what is David's response? Well, we got it actually this morning in our psalm. The psalm that we read today is spoken, is written by David immediately after Nathan has accused him. And here's what we read. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And then down just a little bit. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And that is the blessing. As far as David has fallen, despite the fact that he is an adulterer and he is a murderer, there is forgiveness for David. And there's forgiveness for us. David's forgiveness came not because he was able to cover it up and move along and act like nothing happened. It became... happened, his forgiveness was received because he actually received the rebuke that Nathan gave to him. When he recognized what his sin is, he repented. And he had genuine sorrow for his brokenness. And that is where we all stand. If there's sin in your life, whether it happened this week, whether it happened 30 years ago, If you've never repented of it, it just sticks with you, doesn't it? I don't even really have to say that. I think we all know that. When we've done something to harm another individual, when we've transgressed the law of God, it's not as if we can just bury it, forget it, and move on. There always has to be genuine sorrow, a desire to amend our ways as David shows us today and to move into holiness. And so this morning we're all faced with that, with the opportunity to turn around, to have lives oriented toward God again. I want you all to stand with me and I'd like for you to take out the inserts that are in your bulletin now. No matter your sin, no matter when it was committed, no matter how serious or how small you may have thought it was, recite with me these words. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, hear this word. No matter what your sin was, no matter when it was committed, no matter how great, no matter how small, And the power of Jesus Christ, by the work he won for us on the cross, you are forgiven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that like David, when we come to you with repentance and a true desire to serve you and to amend our ways, you forgive us. Lord, we thank you for that. 
We know there's nothing we can do to receive forgiveness other than to come with a heart that is broken before you. And so, Lord, as we prepare to receive your grace through this table, help us to know that everything we have received from beginning to end is pure grace to include the forgiveness that you won for us through Christ on the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen.